Even as the global pandemic forced banks to move their operations to home offices, they had to help consumers get through financial mazes they themselves hadn't even braved before, the PPP loans being a prime example. Add to that the ever-growing, never-ceasing threat of global hackers and malfeasance, and you have a recipe for one incredible year in banking to take us through how her financial institution tackled the challenges and is also committing to diversity in the workplace. We have T.D. Cole of City From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. I've had this guest on previously when I was hosting another banking podcast and delighted to have her back, T.T. Cole. T.T. is City's head of Global Consumer Banking Operations and Fraud Prevention, GCB Chief Client Officer and Global Diversity and Inclusion Champion. Was a phenomenal guest the last time around. We expect nothing less, T.T. Welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you, Lou. I'm glad to be here. Now, one thing especially crucial during this last year is your role, not just in fraud prevention and global consumer banking operations, but also as the chief client officer for the Global Consumer Bank. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up taking on that additional role and what it's meant for you. Sure. And, you know, as I think about my role at City. One of the main reasons I was really excited to join the city team last year was the opportunity to help over 100 million clients in 19 markets who choose us as their bank on the consumer side. And our role is to really help them achieve their financial goals and dreams. And as head of global ops and fraud prevention, I lead a team that is very much part of the front line delivering for our clients through this pandemic from account opening through servicing, protecting them from fraud. And for those who are struggling to make their payments, which has been magnified by this global pandemic, offering solutions to help them until their finances are stronger. And I think it was really important for us at City to connect not just the front end product development and channels, but really all the way through what we traditionally call the middle and back office operations with a much more client-centric approach. Because as you and I both know, the client experience doesn't just end with the shiny new app or the new capability, but is actually delivered every day in how we set up the new account, offer simple and intuitive servicing capabilities, and the ease with which clients can use their accounts every day. And so for me, as someone who grew up more in the product management P&L functions, and then in the last five years, I've gotten to lead traditional operations servicing functions, it really was a great opportunity to help dial up how we think about end-to-end client centricity with a clear mandate for simple, digitally enabled, intuitive 
client-focused experiences that help our clients achieve, again, their financial hopes and dreams. And so I'm really excited that at City we're connecting not just the front channels, but all the way through servicing and account maintenance to bring that client centricity to life in everything that we do. Absolutely. And I know I'm not supposed to mention this, but I will. I have been a client of City forever since the 1990s. And that is not just talk, people. It's the real thing. And we value your business. And thank you so much for continuing to trust us with your accounts. Of course. Now, along the lines of what you just mentioned with keeping things simple, digitally enabled, consumer-friendly, 2020 was a year like no other. I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I think big banks really rose to the challenge. What were some things you experienced directly that made this consumer connection even more of a challenge? How did you face it? What did you do? Yeah, so we, I think, are very proud of the work that as an industry, we were all able to do through this pandemic and continue to do. Because as you know, we're a long way from done and the effects are still going to be felt potentially for years to come across the globe. I do think, though, that financial services and banks more specifically have really been a key part of the solution this time. And so as I think about all the way from supporting the Paycheck Protection Program through the Small Business Administration here in the U.S., US, to the work that we all had to do to make sure that even though we were giving our employees the opportunity to now work from home where it made sense, we had to keep our channels running. We've stayed open in our branches. We've made sure our contact center teams, while they're working from home, can take care of our clients, that there's cash in the ATMs, and that the financial fabric that supports the U.S. economy and economies all around the world continue to work smoothly for our clients. As I think about the PPP program, you know, we just reopened it, as you know, January this year. We've seen really strong interest and a really much more efficient process, quite frankly, this time. But the first time when this opened last year, it really was all hands on deck at City and I suspect at all our major competitors as well. We all had to make sure that we could stand up the program very quickly because the need was real for small businesses. And for a lot of businesses, this was the difference between being able to stay a viable business concern and having to close shop. And for example, at City, you know, we had to create a brand new digital portal within three weeks. We made sure that all our teams, even teams in operations, were pulled from some of the work that they had been doing overnight, get people on the phone for our small business clients, you know, managers who hadn't taken calls in years. They were all on the phone helping clients work through that portal with the small business administration so that they could access funding and hopefully stay as a viable small business. So banks, I think, have played a critical role. And I think we'll continue to play a critical role as we come through this pandemic and get back to economic growth and prosperity around the world. What was a PPP loan? Nobody knew what it was. How do you administer it? Nobody knew. <laughs> it really is something that everyone inside financial services, outside financial services, should be paying attention to as a success story. Now, speaking of other success stories, I'm going to go to another part of your title, Global Diversity and Inclusion Champion. I love that. And along those lines, very exciting news with Jane Frazier. 
stepping up from the CEO of Consumer Banking to the CEO of Citi. Very impressive. Must be a big deal for you. Talk a little bit about what that means to you, if you will, and just how Citi continues to try to make strides in this area. Absolutely. And I will tell you, we are all very excited that Jane is the CEO of Citigroup overall, and the first female CEO of a GC fee, like the largest banks in the world. So we're very excited about Jane. And really just Jane represents, as she said, not just the first, but definitely will not be the last as we think about, you know, gender and leadership in our industry. From a GCB perspective, which is our global consumer bank, I'm very excited to be the DNI champion. And what that means, simply put, is I get to lead our efforts across, you know, over 100,000 employees across 19 different markets to build a culture of excellence where we not only have strong, diverse representation at all levels to represent the communities we serve, but we also have a progressive and inclusive environment where all can bring their best self to work and it's all anchored in honesty and respect for all. And this is really important at Citi because as a global consumer bank in 19 different markets, it's important that we don't just focus on the obvious diversity dimensions of race and gender, but also all the other dimensions, sexual orientation and gender identity, diversity of experience as you get with veterans, diverse ability, and so on. And if you think about what that means for us as a truly global consumer bank, it means making sure that we have a sense of inclusion for our diverse abilities colleagues in Mexico. It also means that for our Pride Affinity Network members working in Asia and the Middle East, we make sure they feel safe and supported. So I'm very excited to help champion and lead this really important work. I think it's an indication of how City thinks about diversity and inclusion and how it not only drives better business results, but also improves the work lives of our colleagues all around the world. And as we think about diversity and inclusion, I think it's always important to spend just as much time on inclusion as diversity, because if you don't have an inclusive workplace, you really don't unlock the power of all that diverse representation. And for me, inclusion is about safe spaces. It's about having uncomfortable conversations so we can all get to know each other better, bringing down the barriers to get to know each other and being less afraid of the other and more willing to spend time learning about each other and building environments where we can all bring our best selves to work. Unquestionably, bringing our best selves to work, being safe, feeling safe. And speaking of feeling safe, I'm curious if it's okay to ask, how have you dealt with the pandemic professionally and personally? It has been such a challenging time for all of us. I'd love to hear your perspective. Yes, it definitely has been a very, very interesting, I guess, 11 months now as we go through it. And as you can see, professionally, I actually was one of those, I guess you could call us crazy people who changed jobs <laughs> during a pandemic. So that took a lot of courage, but I absolutely believe it was the right decision. And personally, you know, what I've tried to do first and foremost, quite frankly, is to remind myself how fortunate I am and work 
every day to actively build a mindset of gratitude because it can be so easy to focus on all the loss, on all the things we're not able to do and the travel that we can't do and the friends that we can't see and the family members that we can't see. But I've tried to remind myself daily of, quite frankly, how fortunate I am. I'm employed at a job I love. I have access to a safe and comfortable working environment at home. And most importantly, my family and close friends have all stayed healthy and alive through this, which unfortunately is not true for millions of people around the world. So try to remind myself every day of actually how fortunate I am versus all the things that I can't do and the loss. And for me, one of the silver linings has actually been more time with my family. You know, I've been a working mom my entire career, and that has its joys and trade-offs. And my oldest was away in college in Southern California when the pandemic hit. And now he's been home for almost a year. And I tell you, we have fascinating conversations every (laughs) night when you have a 20-year-old at home with you doing Zoom college. It's interesting times. And then I also now get to experience, you know, every single day of my youngest senior year of high school, which, you know, if we didn't have the pandemic, he would be out and about and I would be traveling and busy at work. But we've gotten the opportunity to have this time together. And that really has been a silver lining for me. There is an amazing parallel here because my son is 19. He's a freshman in college and he would be away, but for the pandemic. So he's living at home right now. We have gotten to spend a lot of time together. And my daughter is a junior in high school. And likewise, it has been a blessing to have her around. Now, it's been challenging for her, right? Because she's very social. She loves to see her friends. This has been a really difficult time for her. But selfishly, as a parent, it's a great time for me. So these aren't just silver linings you're talking about. I think they are positives that have come out of such a trying time that we need to savor because we're not always going to have that once the pandemic clears. You're so right. You know, my sons would probably be a little less excited about all this time together. (laughs) Uh, And I know as soon as college is back open, you know, I'm going to have to beg them to come home. Now, switching gears, you and I talked offline about fraud and how fraudsters never take a break. They have had to be more resourceful than ever, and they're always trying to stay a step ahead of where the good guys are. With your role in fraud prevention, what types of things do you see happening where fraudsters are trying to move that ball forward in a bad way, but that banks have tried to respond to in a good way? Sure. One of the sayings in this space is the fraudsters never get day jobs, right? So they are always looking for vulnerabilities. And as financial institutions and really companies, you always have to stay on the front foot because they're going to keep innovating. So you have to keep innovating. So some of the things that we've done, I'll start with probably the most important thing is just making sure our customers are educated and aware. And we've done a lot in terms of literacy on all our channels to help our clients understand we will never call you and ask you for your social security number. If you get a link and it says from the bank, you know, look at the address and make sure. Try to do as much as you can on your secure session on your trusted device. You know, don't give your card number to just anybody over the phone. Because really, quite frankly, the customers are that very first line in fraud prevention. An educated, savvy customer is much less 
likely to fall for the so many scams that are prevalent these days. So the first piece I would say is really client education to really make sure our clients are actively engaged in protecting themselves just as much as the banks are. And then for us, it's really continuing to make sure that we innovate. We're thinking about cybersecurity, cyber crimes, making sure that our procedures and processes are clear, making sure that we have all the perimeter defenses on our systems to make sure we don't have data breaches or hacks, and making sure that we continue to have things like alert capabilities where we can reach out proactively to our clients if we see out of pattern transactions and say, hey, you know, we know that you live in Charlotte, but there's this transaction that just happened in Louisville, Kentucky. Is that really you? And being able to very quickly through a push alert, check with the client in a trusted device, and they can tell us yes or no. And on that basis, we either approve or decline the transaction. So real-time alerts, using artificial intelligence to have better detection or out-of-pattern activities, and then using all the data we have on our clients to understand their patterns of spend and behavior so that we can find these anomalies and shut down the threats before the fraudsters can engage and try to get around the defenses. So in short, it's really about continuing to innovate, engage in our clients to be that first line of defense with us, and then making sure that we've got more and more ways to be able to quickly detect fraud and work with our clients to alert them and protect their accounts. Innovate, engage, and protect. I love that. And I want to thank you so much, TD. You have been wonderful. You've really given us some great observations about the bank and about what you've been doing during COVID to rise above. Thanks again. Thank you for having me, Lou. TD Cole is City's Head of Global Consumer Banking Operations and Fraud Prevention, GCB Chief Client Officer, and Global Diversity and Inclusion Champion. She is based in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can look for TD on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services, which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Here at Bankadelic, we get all sorts of requests from companies that want to be our sponsors, but not all of them pass the sniff test. 
If you were listening to T.T. Cole today on our podcast, you'll know that fraud is an ever-present problem, which is why we couldn't quite commit ourselves to use this particular ad. Uh, here at Fraud Bank, we boast the only team in the entire financial services industry capable of protecting your money because we're ex-fraudsters. That's right, we're all malfeasance, miscreants, con artists, sociopaths, you name it, with an entire record of experience almost as long as the three life sentences Benny the Bull got for the job he did in Joliet. Listen to me. You got somebody coming after your money? Well, we've got an entire, incredibly sophisticated anti-fraud system which consists of brass knuckles, kicks to the knee, all sorts of batting around the head with whatever it is that we have on hand. You name it, we've got it. So at the end of the day, remember this. You want to keep your money safe? Put it in the hands of people you would never normally trust. That's us, Fraud Bank. Capiche? Three bullseyes. Number one. As we think about diversity and inclusion, I think it's always important to spend just as much time on inclusion as diversity because if you don't have an inclusive workplace you really don't unlock the power of all that diverse representation number two the fraudsters never get day jobs right so they're always looking for vulnerabilities and as financial institutions and really companies you always have to stay on the front foot because they're going to keep innovating so you have to keep innovating number three Managers who hadn't taken calls in years, they were all on the phone helping clients work through that portal with the small business administration so that they could access funding and hopefully stay as a viable small business. So banks, I think, have played a critical role and I think will continue to play a critical role as we come through this pandemic and get back to economic growth and prosperity around the world. And now, lose views. TD Call of City made an excellent point on today's podcast about diversity and how it is the value of businesses that succeed and win. It's about much more than good optics. In fact, it shouldn't have anything to do with optics whatsoever. TD mentioned that sometimes diversity means having some uncomfortable conversations. That may center on diversity itself and dealing with people whose backgrounds are different than yours, but it also means being open to the viewpoints that people bring to the most creative mission-critical projects your financial institution or business has on the table at present. When diversity is embraced, the fascinating truth is this. All of us in a workplace bringing our best selves to the table bring very different versions of what a best self is. And as we view a problem, we get many different angles. We get so many different types of input. We filter through experiences that aren't unalike, but we unite around the goal of what is best. When we can do that, and do it in a diverse workplace, the richness, the creativity, the dynamism steps up to an entirely new level. You could call it diverse variations on the theme of success.
Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the coffee shop thinking about another iced mocha. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.